This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Talk about some of the changes that are happening now that people are actually getting back to work here downtown. Things getting busier on the roads and the trains. That vehicle prices are uh, actually dramatically changing here uh, in Chicagoland. Now let's talk with Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. You can find him online at andrewbush.com. The G7 Summit is wrapped up in Great Britain, while the upcoming week will include a meeting of the Fed and the latest report on retail sales. Andy, good to have you with us. First, let's begin. uh, What's going on at the G7 Summit, or at least what went on at the G7 Summit? Yeah, there was a lot of things that were discussed uh, from climate change to a global minimum corporate tax. Uh, The global minimum corporate tax is really targeted U.S. companies, specifically U.S. tech companies, um, Google, Facebook, all the FANG stocks that uh, really don't pay any taxes in the United States or elsewhere uh, unless you're in Ireland. Um, So that's that's an attempt by the G7 to put a minimum tax on where sales occur instead of where the business is located. So that's a big change. The other big change that they talked about was uh, climate change, of course. And um, it's interesting that they have uh, agreements to reduce um, the uh, focus on coal and they want to stop using coal unless they're not going to apparently they're not going to finance any coal fired plants unless you have carbon capture. So there's all sorts of little nuggets like that that are in there. Again, these these G7, they have to go back to their nations and get it passed. But um, there's some interesting things happening there. And what about the Fed? What do we expect as the Fed gets ready to meet? Yeah, you know, talk of inflation, there's, you know, what's astonishing to me, Cisco, and this is really interesting, is what's happening in interest rates versus what's happening with inflation. Inflation is running rampant in this country, you know, and all the Fed officials are saying it's temporary. I understand that, but wow, is it hurting a lot of low to middle income workers. So the Fed's going to talk a lot about inflation, but they're not going to do anything. So we'll see how long this lasts because there's more and more pressure going to build on the Fed to act to kind of calm things down when it comes to inflation. But that's the major topic for this week with the Fed. And when it comes to inflation, it it seems like, and and maybe the Fed's options are limited here, I'm not sure, but if the Fed waits too long, they'll, they'll get to a point where they can't really do anything about inflation. It's already well underway. It's already underway now. Yeah, and what's worse is if people start building that into their expectations. Just as an example, I I did a a keynote address last week for a big accounting firm, and they had all of their municipality clients come in. 
And the major thing where inflation shows up for municipalities, of course, is in their labor contracts. So if you see inflation going up, these labor unions are going to say, hey, you know, we need a cost of living adjustment because it's running at 5%. So we need to see that. And that's where you get wage inflation start to get built into the economy, built into expectations. And that's where the Fed can't control that. They really lose control once that starts happening. And we expect a report on retail sales here. Do we expect that that's marching through now that more and more things are getting open? Yeah, it's probably going to be down from last month's huge number. Um, I expect it to be, I think it's going to drop like 0.7%, but it's really at a high level. But yes, I mean, there's so much money that's been pumped into the economy. And we all know about the supposed $2 trillion of worth of revenge spending saving that's out there for U.S. consumers. So we're just waiting to see if more and more, you know, services open up like bars, restaurants, hotels, just like in Chicago, finally open for Wrigley Field. And seeing the Cubs sweep the Cardinals, that was awesome this weekend. But that's what you, you know, you'd you think if more people go out and spend money like that, that's where we're going to see the spending pick up. Thanks so much, Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Just ahead, why are people holding on to their vehicles a lot longer? The lifespan of vehicles is at an all-time high, while there's trouble at the top of an Ohio-based electric truck maker. Let's get all the details now from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv, based in Detroit. John, let's begin with vehicle prices and the age of vehicles. What's going on here? Well, a lot's going on there, Cisco. Prices keep going up. I mean, you know, because inventory is so tight, people are fighting over whatever is on the dealer lot. And as a result, dealers and car companies don't have to discount or offer incentives. They're getting top dollar. You know, when it comes to the age of vehicles, the oldest they've ever been, 12.2 years old, that's the average, the average. So there's a bunch of cars out there that are knocking on the door at 20 years old. People are holding on to their cars longer for two reasons. Number one, today's cars last so much longer than they used to in the past. I mean, you can go 200,000 miles on these things, no problem, as long as you properly maintain them. Also, because of the pandemic last year, a lot of people working from home, they're not driving as much. So they're not racking up the miles and they're keeping their cars longer. And that, I mean, I guess in in some respects, that is just the result of vehicle manufacturers making better vehicles that are actually designed to go longer. I remember 100,000 miles. Man, if you could get a vehicle to that, that was great. Now people are pushing well past that. Oh, yeah. Look, if you go back to like the 1960s, even through the early 1970s, after three years, cars would start showing rust. By five years, you could really notice it. There's blue smoke coming out the tailpipe because the rings in the engine are wearing out. You just don't see that today. I mean, they just last so much longer than they ever used to. What's the impact then on manufacturers, on dealers, given the fact that that obviously means people are not going to come looking for vehicles as often? Well, except for one thing, demand for new vehicles right now is super strong. I mean, you know, as we come out of this pandemic, the economy is coming back. People want to get out and get new cars. Now, like I said, Some people are not getting new cars, or in some cases, what they're doing is thinking, you know, we got three cars in the family because we got three drivers. One of us is working from home. Maybe we downsize. Maybe we go from three cars to two cars, or maybe we go from three to two, but we go out and buy a new one, whatever. New car demand, used car demand is through the roof right now.
That's incredible. Let's talk about uh, Lordstown Motors. A lot of people not familiar with them, an electric truck manufacturer. Can I, I give us a thumbnail sketch of Lordstown Motors and some turmoil at the top? Sure, yeah. No, Cisco, uh, they're an EV startup. They want to make an electric truck. There's a number of other companies out there that want to do an electric truck. Lordstown's run into trouble. I mean, starting a new car company is really, really hard to do. And they warned investors last week they may not have enough money to survive a year. In fact, they may not even get to the end of the year. And now the chief executive officer and the chief financial officer resigned from the company this morning. Also, the chief executive officer exaggerated a little too much about how many sales they had booked. Turns out that wasn't exactly the case. There was a commitment to sales, but not actually sales. So the Securities and Exchange Commission is investigating him and the company, and it doesn't look good for the future of Lordstown Motors. Yeah, it's not necessarily like another executive can come in and just turn it around, or, or is that maybe what investors are hoping for? Cisco, here's the issue. You know, just even a few years ago, if you wanted to start a car company, you had to build products, you had to build cars or trucks, you had to sell them, you had to make money on it. And if you did all that, then you could do an IPO, an initial uh, uh, public offering, and go on to the stock market. Today, with the SPACs, the Special Purpose Acquisition Corporations, you can get listed on a stock exchange literally in a matter of months. So here's Lordstown, a company that has never built one truck for sale, has never sold one, you know, got hundreds of millions of dollars, and, you know, investors ran to them and a bunch of other startups, even though these companies have never proved that they're able to do this. And I'm afraid that Lordstown is not going to be the first startup that fails. Yeah, thanks so much. Always good information from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst. He is host of Autoline.tv. Just ahead, a major new perk for American Express cardholders. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. American Express is now offering some of its cardholders a checking account option. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com. Ted, help us to understand this here. What's American Express doing? Yeah, hey, Cisco. So this is really part of American Express's acquisition of Cabbage, the small business lender. That took place last summer. And now using a lot of that same technology, they're now offering small business checking accounts. And I think it just really shows that as much as new products get rolled out and there's kind of this ever expansion of services, the checking account is still a very important tool in the financial arsenal. And I think really what Amex and Cabbage are looking to do here is to really deepen their relationship with small businesses. A business checking account, just like a consumer checking account, is a very sticky kind of underpinning um, part of your financial life. So I think besides offering small business credit cards and lines of credit. Now they're looking to get deeper into small business banking. And it's just kind of an evolution of their strategy, which also includes things like that small business Saturday during Thanksgiving weekend. And it seems like if you want to continue growing, I mean, you have to in some way not only bring small businesses in, but uh, you know, really do things to attract them. That's right. And it's kind of an interesting mix of the old and the new, because a checking account is very traditional. A lot of what Cabbage is doing, though, is very new. 
Basically, they're one of these online lenders, kind of like we see in the consumer space with personal loans. And we've seen all these new players in recent years just making it really easy to get a quick personal loan. Same thing in the business world. And it's beyond credit cards, too, because a lot of what Cabbage does is provide lines of credit. It could be small, as little as 1000 bucks, or it could be all the way up to 150000 And it's maybe stuff that you can't buy with credit. You know, maybe you use that money to pay your employees or pay the rent or invest in some new equipment. So I think it's really just part of this broader suite of financial services. Thanks so much, Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com. Just ahead, Bloomberg will check the markets. Also, America's airports push back toward pre-pandemic levels. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. An evacuation order is in place after a fire at a chemical plant in the northern Illinois village of Rockton. An interim CEO has reportedly been chosen to lead the Chicago Public Schools. The past weekend illustrates how much people are itching to get out, setting the stage for a busy summer for air travel. It's Stock Picker Monday at 1249. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. Wall Street, the Dow up 236. The NASDAQ is up 53. The S&P down 10. The Dow actually down 237. Oil is up right about a quarter of a percent. Sunshine and blue skies right now 79 at O'Hare, 71 downtown. That's right about our high for the day. A firefighter is being treated for injuries following a fire and explosion at a chemical plant just south of the Illinois border with Wisconsin. Multiple fire departments responded around 7 o'clock this morning to ChemTool Incorporated in Rockton. Witnesses reported hearing several small explosions. This is Rockton Fire Chief Kirk Wilson. When we first arrived, we had heavy fire conditions already through the roof. As far as a start or a cause of of what created this catastrophic incident, uh, we don't know yet. A one-mile radius of the facility is under mandatory full-scale evacuation. Mayor Lightfoot is expected to name an interim CEO for Chicago Public Schools this afternoon. Multiple reports indicate the choice is former Elgin School Superintendent Jose Torres. Torres served as a regional superintendent at CPS from 2006 to 2008 before he was chosen to lead District U46, the second largest school system in the state. Janice Jackson announced earlier this year she'll step down from the CEO post at the end of this month. Odyssey is your home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to us anytime or just ask your smart speaker to play WBBM News Radio. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed. The Dow down 236, NASDAQ up 56, and the S&P down 10 points. Let's see what's going on. Michael Palumbo is here, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Michael, good to have you on the show. What do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks for having me on again. Um, it's been a fairly low volatility day, and it's been low volatility for the last few weeks. But, you know, within within the low volatility story, there's always these, these movements that are, are uh, quite honestly insane in some of these meme stocks and and other other areas. So there's always volatility somewhere. You can find it. Um, uh, and that's where you find it right now. But over the overall market's kind of been just treading water here. And going forward, are we waiting on some sort of a catalyst for it to begin moving forward? It seems like otherwise we may tread water for a while. 
Yeah, we could because you've got um, stocks at all-time highs in, in the S&P 500. So the catalyst moving forward, I think people are waiting to see how this reopening plays out, how the numbers uh, change uh, it for uh, second and third quarter um, as as the earnings come out. So, you know, we do need, a, you talk about a catalyst, we do need something to move move uh, stocks one way or the other. And it could be down if, if uh, expectations uh, end up not being met. But I think that you'll see, uh, at least certainly as you guys have mentioned in Chicago, uh, uh, people are out and about. It's it's a uh, a renewed vigor here in the city. So I would expect the numbers to to, to come out in second third quarter for these beaten down. Although uh, you know they're doing better now, but but stocks that have been hurt by the virus, I think you'll see that they they are vindicated uh, uh, as as these numbers come out. Uh, but we have to wait a few months to see. What do you make a Bitcoin back above forty thousand here, up almost ten percent right now? Well, it moves every, uh, you know, 5 to 10% every day, and half the time it's based on what Elon Musk has to say. So, it, you know, it's, it, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, uh, determine where it's going next when a lot of the movement is determined by tweets. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, again, I've, I've said this before. You know, Benjamin Graham has said that the, the stock market in the short term is a voting machine, but long term is a weighing machine. Right now it's voting, and, and it's, it's voting based on popularity. So Bitcoin is going to move around, move around. But at the end of the day, a year, two years from now, it's, it's going to be where it should be. Um, in the meantime, you can play the volatility, um, or you could just sit it out. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a very volatile space. Uh, all of the all of the different um, coins are, are volatile right now. But I think that Bitcoin is, is, is treading water and, and waiting for a catalyst just like the stock market is. And when it comes to, uh, you, you mentioned this volatility, yeah, you can try to make money off the volatility, but you may lose money off the volatility too. Exactly. And, and for everybody that, that, that's saying that they're making money, keep in mind, most people that are saying they're making money, they're the only ones talking. The ones that are losing money aren't saying anything. So, you know, there's, there's, there's people, like you said, just as equally likely to, to be losing to this volatility. So um, if it's a name that you don't understand, I would just stay out of it. And uh, you, don't, you don't have to trade everything. And just because there's volatility around does not mean that you have to be involved. And that's something that, that veteran traders understand. But I think new traders, they look for volatility thinking there's an, there's an opportunity. A lot of times it end up, uh, ends up being a, 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 a not a good situation. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital. Just ahead, looking to be a busy summer at Chicago's airports. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Security screenings in U.S. airports this weekend topped 2 million a day for the first time during the pandemic. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services, Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul. Uh, Joe, it seems like a lot of the people who've been concerned, uh, they're not all that concerned anymore, heading back to the airports. You know, that buildup is just just as uh, the airlines had predicted, it's been steady. It's been uh, consistent across different parts of the country. So it's mostly good news here. I think it follows the pattern we expected. You know, that said, you compare it to 2019, and we're still down 25%. And then a lot of those missing passengers are the high fare business uh, flyers. Yeah, that's what the airlines really need, right? They need that business travel back. Well, they are seeing some real strength on the pleasure fares. And Southwest has said their fares actually exceed 2019 levels. And uh, uh, we're seeing uh, 
a real strength for summer, and passengers are willing to pay. So all that's good news. But you take really the big three, Delta United American, and you take away that heavy hitter frequent flyer that lives on full fare traffic, last-minute bookings, and uh, there's still some pain there for the airlines. We do think, though, that uh, late summer Labor Day will see a pivot on that. And when it comes to where people are going, a lot of this is still domestic, right, because of how challenging overseas is? That's a really good point. I think we, uh, a lot of us, were over-optimistic that Europe was going to be a, a big story this summer. But it just hasn't played out that way. They still require a COVID test to come back in the U.S., even if you're vaccinated. And the EU hasn't yet unveiled the full range of, you know, continent-wide uh, you know, plans that they're going to allow. So people are still hesitant to buy Europe, and that's uh, that's bad news, especially for United American that, that really live on that transatlantic route. Are, are there any things that are maybe different at the airports now that more people are there? It seems like social distancing is going to be difficult when you get more and more people there. Yeah, we're hearing reports that TSA pre-check uh, registrations are kind of going through the roof because people are ready to go, and they know that uh, they're going to get that $85 back in reduced uh, waiting time. Uh, but I have to say that the, the stories of, of lines uh, stretching, you know, half mile out of the airport really haven't happened yet, that uh, we're worried about June. But so far, particularly in Chicago, the lines have been quite manageable. Sometimes that pre-check line, uh, it gets pretty long, too. It's, it's sort of like the more people that get pre-check, the, the, the longer the waits are. Yeah, and uh, and the federal government is way too optimistic on what share people would do pre-check a few years ago and maybe... Uh, this recovery will will jumpstart that a little bit because it does help the TSA when you know there's less uh, shoes coming off and that sort of thing. Um, but you know we're not yet into peak season. I would say that starts in about ten days when July hits and people start planning those August vacations. Uh, it's going to be uh, fun to watch. What uh, happens to airfares? I'm thinking other aspects of travel too, even the rental cars, the hotels. Now that there's this crush of people. You know, we looked at rent cards a few weeks ago in a study we did, and we were shocked. I mean, it's, uh, you know, not uh, 150 a day in some places. It's two, 300 a day, and this is not uh, uh, some podunk airport. These are major Florida destinations. So the rent car thing, they think, really is going to be a drag on uh, on growth if that situation doesn't improve. And I have to say, worker shortage, that seems to be getting better but that uh, those two factors are a big negative. Yeah, thanks so much. Always good insight from Joe Schwederman. He is Professor of Public Services, Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. Still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour. Joining us this afternoon, David Brady, President of Brady Investment Council in Normal. Uh, David, before we uh, get your two picks today, just want to <laughs> always like to give people props. It was years ago. I mean, you've been a guest on this show for years, something like what a decade or more ago. You were saying buy Chipotle. It was under a hundred bucks a share. I'm looking at my ticker here right now. It's at thirteen ninety four a share. I, I, I guess that was a pretty good piece of advice there to buy Chipotle. Yeah, I hope everybody held on, right? Uh, <laughs> well, that's the key, isn't it, sometimes, is you buy a stock and it goes up, and then you go, oh, I better get out, and you just don't know how far it's going to rise. Uh, I don't think I've ever successfully stole, sold a growth stock. Uh, yeah, you got to hold on to the good ones, that's for sure. Yeah, you lose out. All right, what's your first pick today? How about uh, Polaris Incorporated? They manufacture uh, off-road vehicles and snowmobiles. 
Uh, we think the company is just on the cusp of really benefiting from some developing trends, demographic and otherwise. The first is outdoor activities. You know, we think that's a post-pandemic beneficiary. Uh, and then the second is it's just the changing demographics in the United States. These millennials, they're 23 to 38. They're ideal purchasers of this product and uh, they have quite a bit of uh, spending power and it's growing. So uh, we like Polaris both short and long term. All right. And uh, what's your second pick? Uh, how about the Container Store Group? Uh, organizational products for uh, really anyone from kids to adults. Uh, it's a, like, sort of a cultic company from their customers. Not overly well known, but uh, again, this is one that we've talked about in the past. It's out in the market on a one, three, and five-year basis. Uh, it's pulled back here recently. Uh, we think that creates the opportunity. But we think uh, uh, it's an exceptional company, great products, uh, a very attractive valuation. And, uh, you know, we've had good success buying companies at four or five times that with that, and that's where TCS is trading right now. It seems like the container store, it was almost a victim of, of just kind of uh, people feeling negative about it. That, that's sometimes enough to drive down stock price, even if the company's fairly solid. Yeah, I, I think so. The company is very solid. A, a good cash flow generator. They've been paying off debt. Uh, there's new management here, which looks pretty good. So we think, uh, you know, it's a long-term, slow-growth story appropriate for, you know, companies or people that like small-cap names, but, uh, you know, they can handle the risk, the volatility, but uh, there's good long-term upside potential here. Thanks so much. David Brady, president of Brady Investment Council, is two picks today. Polaris, P-I-I is the symbol there, and the container store, that symbol, T-C-S. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.